Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Well, hello, I'm Katie Maloney, and you probably know me from a little show called Banner Bumber Rolls. I've been labeled all kinds of things, a bitch, a bully, and a mean girl. But there is so much more to a person than what you see on TV. Tune in every Friday as I talk to some of my friends and castmates, celebrities, comedians, medical professionals, and maybe some political figures. And by the time we're done, you're going to love me. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to Real Pot, everyone. Hope you're having a fabulous start to your day. We are going to dive right in because there is so much to unpack in today's episode It will get you thinking, it will have you looking at photos of celebrities differently, and also just sitting back and thinking about the way the beauty standard has evolved and our pursuit to keep up with that status quo. Joining us today is Dr. Christian Subio. He is a renowned board-certified plastic surgeon who is known for being one of the most outspoken surgeons on social media. Now, that's why I chose Subio for this. There's lots of incredible and fantastic plastic surgeons, Dr. Subio being one, but he is also someone who really gets it. And on his social media, I love the way that he posts, is transparent, and has a really unique perspective on what he does. Today, Dr. Subio will give us a firsthand look at how social media, Photoshop, and filters are damaging our own self-perception, provide intel on what procedures our favorite celebs have allegedly done, and so much more, like the dirty deets of the BBL, that is the Brazilian butt lift. So prepare for a good one. And if you love Dr. Subio, follow him on Instagram and show him some love. I linked his info in the description. Today's shout out goes out to Sid. Hey, Sid. She left a five-star review and it said a real pot is the best as a retired D1 athlete. Victoria is so easy to relate to and sheds light upon so many common issues that are not talked about enough. I've been listening to real pod since the start. Oh my God. Thank you, Sid. And every conversation is always so thought-provoking and inspiring. I don't even listen to it on Apple. I listen on Spotify, but had to come over to Apple to write this review. I love you, Sydney. Sydney, that is some dedication. I mean, you took the time to navigate to an entirely different app and figure that out. I so appreciate it. I was like, this girl has to be the shout out. Sydney, wherever you are, 
I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you've been enjoying Real Pod and want to leave me your thoughts and feedback, you can do that on iTunes. However, you can actually rate now on both platforms. So if you're listening on Spotify, you'll notice there's a little star rating option in the corner. So go ahead and let me know how you feel. I hope it's good. But either way, we very much appreciate any and all ratings and reviews you guys can provide the show. It is extremely helpful. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so you get that automatic download every single Wednesday and follow us on Instagram at RealPod. Without further ado, let's dive into this juicy tea spilling episode on plastic surgery with renowned surgeon, Dr. Christian Subio. Dr. Subio, I'm hyped because I feel like there is so much to learn, so much to understand about your industry, its impact on social media, its impact on the celebrities and the people that we idolize. So thank you for coming on and being willing to share and provide your expertise and knowledge. Thank you for having me. Well, I'd love to hear about how you got into this profession and, you know, what about plastic surgery, you know, you felt passionate about or when you first knew you wanted to do this? You know, it goes back to high school. I was either going to art school or medical school. And as a teenager, I just kind of, I didn't think I could do the art route just because I didn't really have any aim or focus. So I was also good at science. So I figured uh, in high school, I decided plastic surgery would be a cool route to go because I saw some documentary about, you know, like uh, these traveling teams of surgeons that would go do cleft lip missions in India and South America and developing countries. So I thought that was a really cool, impactful way to be able to take my artistic uh, ability and uh, apply it to, you know, actual people as opposed to just painting things, which, you know, it, it, it seemed like more meaningful, more impactful. So uh, I really didn't know what I was getting into. And I didn't realize it was like a 15 year path to get to point B. But luckily, I stuck with it. Luckily, I cleared some hurdles and made it to point B. And I'm, and I'm happy I did. You've obviously shifted gears from that sort of work too, I would say like a more aesthetic plastic surgery. Is that true or am I missing anything? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been probably, I don't know, maybe two or three years now since I've done a cleft lip trip, but you know, I'd still be interested in doing those, but my focus has shifted more towards aesthetic surgery. It's a field that uh, I'm really interested in the the artistry of it, in the aesthetics of it. Uh, it's something that's always uh, resonated with me, like sculpting and, and drawing human faces and sculpting clay and sculpting bodies. So, you know, aesthetic surgery, it just what happens. It's a nice field as well. It's very nice lifestyle and all that stuff. But really what drives me the passion about it is you know, getting to uh, apply artistry to actual people in a way that makes them feel better about themselves. And we, I'm sure we're going to talk about this further about the, you know, the fine line between, you know, uh, changing people's bodies in a positive and healthy way versus doing so in a predatory or exploitative way. Definitely. And that is, I think, kind of the overview of our conversation, you know, even like jumping to the big themes here is, you are someone who is very aware and in tune with this unattainable beauty standard and with Photoshop and is able to talk about that. And then in turn, you're probably having clients come in who want to change their appearance, maybe to like fit that standard or fit that mold. So how do you define that fine line? It's difficult. And it's something where it's changing every year. You know, it's with the explosion of social media in the past 10 and in particular five years, it has just 
it has saturated the entire market with people coming in and with filters and Photoshop and Facetune. It has really changed the way that not only are patients coming in and asking for certain things, but the way they're viewing themselves. And as someone whose business is you know, exactly that, helping people to you know, tweak or change their appearance in certain ways, I'm very, very aware of the unhealthy ways that uh, social media in particular has really been a, a negative thing for so many people, and in particular, so many young people. And I get it. Look, I'm a plastic surgeon. My, my job, my livelihood is, is changing people's appearance. So on one hand, it, it could seem kind of hypocritical, but on the other, I'm trying to do so in a healthy way. I'd like to talk about that further, but trying to find that, define that line is getting very difficult. But I'm just doing the best that I can to try to you know, take people on a case-by-case basis and help them realize that social media, what they're seeing on social media, is not real. These celebrities are Photoshopped, they're filtered, they're tuned. So in social media, I'm trying to spread that message, which you yourself are trying to spread. And it's a, it's a, it's an uphill battle, wouldn't you say? It is an uphill battle. And there is so much to dive into. I'm just, I'm getting so excited. I'm like going to jump out of my seat. First of all, on that note, do people come in wanting to look like filters? Do they ever show themselves in a filter and say, I want my eyes this way or my nose this way? Yeah, they, they, they often do. And that's been a new thing. It's been the past three, four, five years with Snapchat, Instagram, and all these good things. They're coming in and showing them like, hey, I want to look like this. And I'll have to point out, oh, wait a second, like, hold up. This, is, this, is this filtered? Is this tuned? Oh, oh yeah. Like, well, this isn't you. You know, these, these versions that you're showing me are not, it would be one thing if these were slight tweaks. That, that's an okay thing. That's what I do. If, you want, if you're unhappy slightly with your nose or your lips or maybe filling your cheeks a little bit might make you feel better about yourself without distorting your face. Yeah, I'll do that. that I think that's, a, that's, a, that, that's good aesthetic medicine, helping people to feel good about themselves. But what I'm finding is that they're coming in showing me these pictures, more so not of themselves, but of celebrities and models and Instagram models or, or other before and afters from other surgeons who are clearly Photoshopped. And, and I have to really spend a good portion of my consultation these days telling them that, look, this is this is not real. Like not only are these unhealthy, it's impossible. People don't look like this. The natural human body does not look like this. So the, the, the goals of, um, it, it's really interesting because filters are so prevalent these days that that is becoming the new standard. It's not even like actual human anatomy or human aesthetics that people are showing me. It's, it's these cartoons or these, the, these, the, these proportions, which are not only impossible, but they're inhuman. It, it just, it's really depressing too. And to see the negative effects that it have in particular on young women who I think are most susceptible to this. And we could talk about that further. Definitely. And to provide like a concrete example of, you know, what you're describing, let's say we take a celebrity who's had plastic surgery and then takes a photo of themselves. So there's already plastic surgery behind that. Not to mention, they might be able to afford a private personal chef who's cooking them meals, a trainer who's working them out. They have all of these things helping them attain this body in real life that isn't accessible or attainable for 99% of people. Then that photo is their butt is made bigger, their this is smooth, their eyes are brightened, and then a filter might be on that. And so that final result we see at home, we're like, oh, I look nothing like this person. And little do we know all of the things that went into truly creating an unattainable beauty standard, which is why people say it's unattainable. <laughs> it's It really gets me angry because in particular to celebrities, you know, Kardashians, et cetera, these people, they 
they they already have the world in the palm of their hands, all right, and, and they have money beyond beyond what any of us will ever attain. They have fame, they have power, they have everyone fawning all over them, and still and still they are insecure enough to to feel the need to morph their photos. And look, I get it. I'm insecure about certain things about myself, as everyone is. We're all human, but. When it comes to these mega celebrities in particular, celebrities with 10, 20, 100 million followers, 300 million followers on these platforms, I mean, it, it comes with a certain responsibility. I, I just cannot understand how they don't see that, oh, let me just, you know, tune my body up or take my waistline in a little bit. How can you not understand that that's not going to translate into that? That is setting the ideals of society these days. This is the new trendsetters. And who is it affecting most? Not 44-year-old guys like me. In particular, is the 12 and 13-year-old women, 9-year-olds, 10-year-olds like my nieces who I'm, who I'm thinking about. And they see this and this becomes normal. And this is what they're trying to attain. But it's all smokescreen. It's a lie. It's, 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 so it really makes me angry that these, these celebrities who already have it so well, who are so incredibly fortunate to begin with, are literally lying to hundreds of millions of, in particular, young women who are, my wife was just telling me these days, she just saw a statistic that suicide attempts by young women are up by like 50% in the past year or something. There's some recent statistic out. And it's because of these things, like directly because of these, in my opinion. I hear you. You're preaching to the choir. I always think about like, what what would happen if one of those most powerful women took the anti-diet culture, love yourself, here are my stretch marks, here are my this, like the impact that could have. And like you said, the, the power that they have to do that. And you're right. I also have the compassion. You know, I don't know what it is like to every day wake up to people hating you for everything that you are. Who knows if if I could be that confident in myself in that position. However, as we talk about these celebrities, I don't know if you're comfortable with this or if this breaks like professional protocol. Can I like give you the name of someone and can you make an educated guess to list a few things that you think this person has gotten done? Sure. I mean, do you have pictures like or uh, is there something I can look at maybe because that's. Oh, yes. I'm going to pull up a picture of Bella Hadid because I think the Kardashians really I don't think anyone listening to this denies that they have had things done. However, Bella's maybe one of those more very subtle tweaks and changes that might it might be helpful. I have to be very clear here that this is all educated guesswork. I mean, Bella Hadid is a favorite. Plastic surgeons are always pouring in on social media. What did she have done? And I always see these guys and gals weighing in, like, I think she had X, Y, or Z. And I have to be very clear that no one knows. Only she and potentially her surgeon or injector knows exactly what she has had done. So that's one thing very important to point out for, <laughs> to legally protect us right, as well. This, like, is, this is all this conjecture. This is not accurate. This is speculating. This is allegedly guessing with an X. Allegedly, <laughs> yes. So, uh, but, so that's one consideration. This is all guessing. And number two, it's important to point out that there's some obvious age differences between the left and right picture. And I, I'm not even sure like how old she is in the left, but it's obvious she has aged, I don't know, is it five, is it 10 years between these two pictures? And so this is where it gets very difficult to, to figure out what exactly one has had done. 
because it's part of the natural aging process. You know, if you took a picture of me when I was, let's say, you know, 15 versus 25, my face was fuller at that point. And part of the natural aging process as one goes from 15 to 25 to 30 is your face thins out a little bit. Certain fat pads in your face thin out. So, and we're going to look at, at Bella here between the left and the right picture. You know, obviously in the left picture, her cheeks are fuller. And she has a more rounded face, whereas on the right side, she has a more chiseled and angular face. Now, one could say, oh, well, it's, it's much more fun to speculate and say, oh, my God, I guess she had, a, she had a buckle fat removal, which is a very popular procedure where a surgeon goes in and takes out some of the fat of the lower cheek to achieve that very look, which is going to slim and make it look more angular and sculpted, more model-esque. So it's, it's possible she had that done. But everyone ages differently. It's also possible she maybe just lost a little weight. Maybe she dieted a bit. Maybe she just thinned out a bit with age. That's also possible. So, I mean, it's impossible for any surgeon, the most famous surgeon the world over, to say with, with certainty that that's what happened here. But it's, you know, when someone looks as drastically different, certainly it becomes a little bit more suspicious. Otherwise, her nose, I mean, look, there's certain things where it's more obvious. Cheeks will change with age, all right? Noses, not that much, all right? Between the age of 15 and 25 or whatever the, whatever the age difference is here, uh, your nose, the, the, the skeletal framework of your nose is not going to change. That's one thing that's pretty constant in youth. So obviously her nose is different from left to right. And I would guess, again, this is conjecture, but I would guess that she has had a rhinoplasty. You know, her, her, the middle third of her nose is thinner. And at least on frontal view, you could tell that her her tip is really like hyper defined. In, in you know, in in my in my view, maybe a little bit over defined. And again, that's just, I'm not trying to be negative or, or 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 nitpick, but that 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 you know switch from left to right is I would say I've never seen. Let me phrase it this way to be careful. I've never seen such a change naturally occur in someone. Now, did, do you know if, if by chance has she maintained that she's never had anything done? I believe so, which is why I wanted to use this as an example, just because if someone is saying they haven't gotten anything done, she might have been honest about the nose. I'll fact check this. But yeah, so I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, but it, we, we could say for as, as a general example, if if we fact check this and it turns out that she says, no, I've never had anything done, maybe just a little tweak here and there with injectables. Well, then I would call BS on that. And not only would I call BS on that, I would say that that is actively being, you know, detrimental to many, many people who look up to her and emulate her and, and, and view her as a fashion and style icon. I mean, look, I'm in my 40s now. I'm secure with who I am. I'm comfortable with myself. And yes, while I still have insecurities, my person is formed. I'm happy with who I am. But I remember what it was like when I was 13 or 14 years old and I was looking up to celebrities like, oh my God, I, I need to look like this guy or you know, work out like this guy. Or why does he look like this? And I don't. This is what these celebrities need to be focusing on. So if, and again, if, I don't know, if she said that she's never had any work done to her nose, well, guess what? That's not realistic because there's plenty of young women who look like her in the left picture and then see her on the right picture and oh man, she's so glamorous. Why can't I look like that? Some people have all the good genes and it just perpetuates this complete BS. Now, if you've been listening to RealPod for a while, you would know that this sponsor is one I'm truly obsessed with. 
And that is Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because Max was taking it. And I was like, what is this thing that you are drinking every morning? And I want in. And when he explained it to me, he was like, yo, Vic, basically, I just grab a scoop of this green powder, which now I know contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic greens, superfood blend, and more in just that one convenient daily serving. He plops it in a cup with water, mixes that bad boy up and drinks it. And just that special blend of high quality bioavailable ingredients in that little scoop of Athletic Greens AG1 works together to fill nutritional gaps in your diet, support energy and focus, aid with gut health and digestion and support a healthy immune system. It effectively replaces multiple products or pills with just one healthy, delicious drink. Now, I love Athletic Greens because unlike other juice and green companies, their messaging is non-toxic. No matter who you are, what you look like, how you eat, Athletic Greens is for you. It's not shaming you. It's not trying to change you. It's simply trying to add to your life. And for anyone curious about the taste, it definitely tastes healthy. But in my opinion, it is not bad. I think it tastes kind of good. I drink it with a straw. Max chugs it. But it's definitely a good drink and totally worth it. It's time to arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially, you know, with all these flus going around. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving every RealPod listener a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash RealPod. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash RealPod, where you can get a one-year free supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Head to athleticgreens.com slash realpod. Just shifting gears a little bit, because I don't think this is something that Bella has had done, presumably, but the BBL, the Brazilian butt lift, everyone's obsessed with this. I would just like to know some of the basics. Like, how much does it cost? Is it one of the most dangerous procedures? That's the rumor. And is it true that if you move your fat around that when you eat and get fatter, the areas where the fat is move. So like if Kylie keeps eating burgers, it just makes boobs and butt bigger. Like I need to know everything. These are all good questions. This is one of the most fascinating procedures out there. And it's one that has gained. If you look at the stats for how many BBLs were performed 10 years ago, I don't know. It's probably, and I don't have the exact numbers, but it has to be like a 10th of what is performed today. This procedure has skyrocketed I think mostly because of the Kardashians, Kim in particular, when she started sporting those curves, that backside, like you know, the numbers of BBLs, it became the new goal. So it has skyrocketed in popularity. But, you know, it is to your question, is it one of the most dangerous procedures out there? The, the answer is yes and no, that if in, done in the right hands, it is an extraordinarily safe procedure. It is very safe if you go to a reputable well-trained and skillful surgeon. So that is the whole problem, finding the right people to do these things. A buddy of mine, Matt Shulman in New York City does an amazing BBL, and he has never had any of these catastrophic complications that you hear about. The problem happens, and this ties in with your, your, with your question, how much do they cost? You know, a BBL performed by a reputable, renowned surgeon in whose hands you're going to be safe, it may cost However. There are these chop shops in in cities like Miami where literally they are doing like 
20 of these procedures a day, a procedure that in my opinion should take about three hours. So any good surgeon should only be doing three at tops four of these in a day. What these guys do in these kind of cities is they take a procedure that other people are charging 12K, 13K for, and they're selling it for like $4,000, $3,000. I don't even know how they do it. If you look at a case of mine, you know, for me to pay the hospital, the anesthesiologist, all the costs and all that, it costs way more than three or $4,000. But here in Miami, they are doing these chop shop procedures where you're coming in, you're meeting the surgeon literally five minutes before the procedure, you're going to sleep. You're not even sure if he or she is actually the one performing your procedure. Patients have woken up and found assistants are performing these procedures. So this is where you'll find most of these catastrophes, most of these deaths in places where they're doing chop shop surgery, where they're doing eight, 10, 12 of these cases in a day, all, all hours of the night, doing them in third world countries and you know medical tourism. So the short answer to the question is in the right hands, it's a very safe procedure. And the new the new statistics are showing that. But like anything else, greedy people, unscrupulous people are ruining it by doing it. They're, they're doing it sloppily, cutting corners, you know, hurrying, having other unqualified people do the procedures. So in the end, it's a great procedure. And it's, you know, if done well, it can really, you know, if someone wants slightly more, you know, uh, voluptuous curves. It's a wonderful procedure. And, you know, I would, if any family member of mine who wanted that done, I would recommend to someone like Dr. Shulman in New York. And then to the question about fat continuing to grow where it's redistributed, what are your thoughts or what's the answer? Yeah, the answer, I mean, and this is, this is, uh, you know, there, there are certain things we're uncertain about and there are certain things we are sure about. That's one thing we know, because if you take the fat cells from the abdomen, from the flanks, and then transfer them to the buttocks or to the breasts, they're going to act the exact same way that they would have if they were still in the abdomen or if they were still in the breasts or if they're, you know, wherever you took them from, that's how they're going to act. So if you gain weight and you tend to gain weight in your abdomen, your lower abdomen, if that's the fat that you've used to augment your buttocks, that's going to grow at the same rate. So, so yeah, if you eat a lot of, you know, you stop hitting the gym, you eat burgers and fries and you know, it's going to act just as those they were in their original home. They're the same genetically programmed cells. That is freaking ridiculous. The fact yeah. that anyone with that sort of procedure, when they're having like a milkshake fries and a burger are just thinking, this is making my boobs and my butt bigger. It's like the complete opposite of what diet culture and the world has been telling you like your whole life. Yeah. Now, what about like the repercussions? What, like, how does that fat stop growing? Like, I, I mean, can you control then the growth of the butt and the boobs? The, I mean, I've never heard of anyone being that calculated about it because, you know, it's, it's I mean, if you start, there's, it wouldn't be that easy, I'll say, because let's say you're like, oh, I'd like to fill out my butt a little bit more. Let me eat, eat some more. Well, then, of course, not just your buttocks, but your face will gain weight, your shoulders, your arms, your, you know, your calves, everything will gain. So it's not as straightforward or as, you know, easily manipulatable as that. And is body sculpting the same thing, but BBL is just what people call it when you sculpt in the butt area? Or what is body sculpting? Body sculpting is just a catch-all term for any kind of liposuction or fat grafting, any, any kind of change to the shape of the body, I would call body sculpting. BBL is Brazilian butt lift. And the, it got that name because that procedure was popularized in Brazil. They do a lot of plastic surgery in Brazil. And they're obsessed with booties in Brazil. So it got the name Brazilian butt lift 
I mean, it's not a very medical sounding name, but that's what the procedure became. But that specifically means taking fat harvested from elsewhere. It could be anywhere, abdomen, you know, flanks, arms, whatever, and transferring it to the buttocks. And, and that's what we know as the BBL. Now we're learning so much here. I'm wondering if there are any things you feel inclined to share that can like expand our realm of understanding what we might be seeing in celebrities or these public figures that we don't even know exist? That, that is a good question. I mean, I don't think that the celebrities are doing anything that we're not aware of, like a secret kind of stem cell, you know, regenerative thing yet. That's coming soon. But as far as what they're doing these days that's happening behind closed doors, I think it's all just versions of standard surgery. And the only question is, how well is it being done? How obvious is it that they've had something done? Because, you know, the best plastic surgery out there, you know, you'll you'll see a celebrity like, damn it, how does she look so amazing? She's 68 years old or he's 72. How do they look so amazing? That's just good surgery happening from artful and masterful surgeons, I think. So, I mean, I don't think there's any secret treatments that we don't know about. I mean, if there were, that surgeon would popularize it so he or she can make more money. So it's just a matter of who's doing it well enough that you can't perceive it. On that note about popularizing a certain surgeon and word getting around that they did so-and-so's X, Y, Z, obviously with many celebrities, there are NDAs. Bella, if she did have something done but denies it, there's a surgeon somewhere knowing at night that he is responsible, not the kale, uh-huh. not the workouts, not the X, Y, Z. So how does that work? Because I would be extremely frustrated if I was responsible for Kim Kardashian's hourglass body and I slaved away in school to create that. And then I watched her workout video on Instagram. <laughs> it's, you know, some surgeons are lucky enough where the, uh, where the celebrity will shout them out. And that's great for the surgeon. Their their, social media following skyrocket. They get a lot of clout. But to your point, for every one of those, there is like a hundred who it's all hush-hush. So you have the surgeon or injector sitting there like, God damn it, I'm responsible for that. Why why am I getting no credit? I mean, look, I I operate in Philadelphia. So like, you know, know, there's not like, you know, LA stars rolling around in, in Center City, Philadelphia. But I have plenty of friends, surgeon friends who have operated on these stars. And it's, it's a look. It comes with the territory, where they're like, ah, you know, it's like a. I op- they, they won't say because they're you know they won't say exactly who, but I operate on this megastar today, and she's out there, you know, you know, saying it's due to her new diet or her new skincare line that she's selling. It's frustrating for them, but it's 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 part of the gig. I think it's more something like bragging rights within circles that you'll get to say that you work on these celebrities. And that's powerful, even for us to hear that you're validating. Yes, this does happen. So. That's your answer, right? Yes, yes, yes. Tons of times. All the time. All the time. Yeah. It's look, these people in Hollywood are no different. These starlets on the red carpet, they're no different than we are. All right. Yeah. Some of them are blessed with like, you know, better genetic cheekbone structure or whatnot. But when it comes to aging in particular, they're no different than we are. They will age just like we are. Then they, they have cellulite. They have, you know, they have skin pores. They have wrinkles. They have, they have all these things. They just either you know, have the money to address it, or they are being dishonest when they are portraying themselves on social media. I just wonder how that works socially. It's almost like taking credit for work that's not yours. Like that next appointment when they walk in, I would be so ashamed to be like, hey doc, yep, sorry about the workout plan I'm selling for like 
millions of dollars, but can we re-up on this? <laughs> It'd be so awkward. I, I don't think I could do it. I mean, I mean, think about the surgeon that has to operate on, you know, A-list celebrity. Like, imagine the pressure that goes into that. It's not something I would even want because they're not getting, yeah, it's, these surgeons like charge a lot for these procedures, but they're not like, you know, if you see some regular, let's say, person in LA, all right, and you're doing a facelift, you're charging X. If you then see some A-list celebrity, you're not charging X times 20. You're still charging essentially the same thing. So it's not as if they're getting more out of it. So I, and I would imagine the stakes are so much higher. God forbid this, you know, this celebrity has a complication and every surgeon has complications. Make no mistake. Like it ha anyone that's operates enough is going to have the occasional patient who's dissatisfied or who has an infection. Imagine the pressure if you're on the table and you're operating on like Angelina Jolie or something like that. God, that would drive me mad. So then for people thinking, OK, well, then how does the prestige come for a, a surgeon who no one is talking about them? Would you say that in the industry, if, if your life depended on it, you could find out who did Kim Kardashian surgery because people talk at like the high top level of like you think the A-listers talk and they they all go to the same people kind of thing, but they keep it hush hush. I think so. I think like anything else, it's like these are all really well kept secrets. But really, like people aren't good at keeping secrets. You need to tell some people. So I really do think, you know, in those circles, who'd you go like like girlfriend? I know your nose looks amazing. Where'd you go to? It's like you're gonna say you, you'll cop to it to your friends, you know. As you all know, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And if you are late on the gift, you are like, oh my gosh, I didn't get anything ahead of time. Or I want to now get some lovey gifts for special people in my life, whether it's friends, family, yourself, a partner. Don't worry. Macy's has you covered with their gift finder. You can find amazing gifts at any price, even $25 and under. If you head to Macy's.com slash gift finder, you will be met with this very cute pink and red aesthetic website. They have gifts for $25 and under, $50 and under, $100 and under. They have luxe gifts, gift cards. You can shop for her, for him, for anyone, jewelry, beauty and fragrances, watches, grooming and cologne, handbags, PJs and intimates, food, candy, plants, flowers, toys, games. I mean, literally, Macy's was like anything that you might want to get. You can do that at Macy's.com slash gift finder. I used Macy's.com slash gift finder. I cannot reveal what I got Max because he might be listening. But I will say I was stressed and I kind of waited to the last minute and Macy's gift finder was there to the rescue. And also, look, don't forget to treat yourself. You deserve a delightful fragrance, new self-care, beauty routine tools, jewelry, that pair of shoes you've been eyeing. I will tell you what I got for myself. In the jewelry section, I'm actually trying to elevate my style a bit more by having more cute, clunky jewelry to throw onto different outfits. And actually in the jewelry section on sale, down from $200 to now 60 is this beautiful two-piece paperclip link chain necklace and matching bracelet. It's by Gianni Bernini. I got it in gold. It is stunning. And talk about a deal. So, I mean, the least you want to do is head to Macy's.com slash gift finder and just check it out. And it's your favorite Macy's brands like the Martha Stewart Collection, Dior, Kendra Scott, Kate Spade, and Coach. Once again, you can head over to Macy's.com slash gift finder to check out some phenomenal gift ideas and more. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Now, what about surgery addiction? This idea that if you get one thing tweaked, you want the next thing tweaked and the next thing and the next thing. And then you 
somewhere down the line really lose sight of what you initially wanted changed? How often do you see that? What do you think the reason behind it is? And have you ever experienced that with one of your own patients? Yeah, uh, all the time. Like not every day, but I think frequently you'll see patients. It can be women or men. Like anything else in this business, I'd say 90, 95% of my patients are women. I think because women are more susceptible to these societal pressures to look good. So it's more, at least most plastic surgeon practices are are female heavy as far as patient goes. And I think it really, some people have a problem like anything else. You know, body dysmorphia is a real thing to look in the mirror and see things that just aren't there, to see problems that aren't there, or to see a slight imperfection that may be there. But, you know, you start to focus on it and nothing else, and it grows in your mind and grows. So you get one thing fixed, and then certain pathologic types, they'll just move on to the next thing. It's a, it's a psychological condition where you're just never, you'll never be happy with how you look. And, the, and it, it really is sad. I've had those kind of patients. And look, I mean, I think unscrupulous surgeons will take advantage of that. They're like, oh my God, I'm going to sign up for a breast dog today and a rhinoplasty tomorrow and, <laughs> you know, a facelift next week. Like, you know, they see all this money coming in. So they'll take advantage of that. In the end, I don't do that for two reasons. I don't like to take advantage of people's insecurities. I'm already a little bit uncomfortable being a plastic surgeon as is. It's a weird field. Here I am making my money mostly on women who are not happy with the way they look. And that, you know, Part of me is like, well, that sucks. Like, why am I in this field that, you know, I'm making a living, a very good living off of people's insecurities. So what do I do? I try to turn that around and really, you know, be positive when a patient comes in, as opposed to these body dysmorphic types who are being fed more and more surgery. I try to turn it into a positive thing. Like, you know, oh, you look beautiful. Like, you don't need, look, you don't need this, but if you want this, if you want that, we can do this little tweak or a nice, subtle, little tasteful transformation. I like plastic surgery because I think it's a wonderful thing. In my view, it's not some vain thing, some superficial, you know, vanity project, if done correctly. In my opinion, it, it, it can really be a wonderful thing to take someone, let's say someone has a gigantic nose, all right? And I'm really, you know, it, it, it's something that even other people are actually noticing as opposed to the body of the small type that are making things up. Or let's say someone has a really large nose and it's like other people, people are animals, right? People, we're, we're a social animal. And if, if their whole lives, people have noticed them and maybe shunned them or they haven't been invited to the prom and all this stuff. Like, I think that could be a really wonderful thing. If you could change that thing about a person, look, we're not going to change society overnight. People will be judgmental and think that, you know, big noses are unattractive and stuff like that. So what I try to do is I I view plastic surgery as something that I can take someone who's super self-conscious about something and feels less than other people. And is really, it's, it's really, you'd be amazed. It it could be, it could be saddlebags on the legs. It could be uh, one, it could be breast asymmetry. It could be a large nose. It could be any number of things that has ruined someone, has ruined someone's life because they define themselves by that. If I can come in and tweak that and 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 you know make them feel more confident so that when they, they're putting on that dress, oh my God, I, my breasts are finally symmetric. I feel like a million bucks. I'm gonna go out and ask that guy to the prom that I wasn't going. You know what I'm saying? That's how I view plastic surgery. I, I've kind of I've kind of wandered away from your original question about um, body dysmorphia. No, I, I love it because we're kind of getting the answer to the very, very first question, right? Is like, what is that fine line? And I think what you're describing and what I agree with, I have friends who've gotten nose jobs, who get Botox, who've gotten their boobs 
enlarged or gotten their boobs downsized, you know, because yeah, that is going to be game changing for them. I also realized there is something to be said about like pretty privilege. And I recognize that I'm a white woman, relatively thin blonde. I'm closer. To, I don't understand what the struggle might be like for someone else who is a entirely different race has an entirely different, I don't know. And so I think if someone wants to do something like that's their own right, I'm just, I'm all aboard. I feel like we're on the same wavelength. I'm also not a fan of the lying though, or the not being able to accept someone if they didn't have something right. Like I hope that I can love all my friends, no matter what their noses look like, but if it makes a difference for them, it makes a difference for them on the note of like noticing something though, I have just kind of noticed like I'm getting a little line here in between my eyebrows. And I was in the car the other day and I just could sense myself like, I think someone said to me, oh, don't do that. You'll get wrinkles. It's funny how one little comment, I'm like, what wrinkles? And then I look in the mirror and then there's that whole other pressure, right? Don't age. Don't look old. Don't look like you have been on this earth for a long time, which is just fascinating. And I honestly wonder as I grow up with the message that I do push, how will I handle aging? And if I have kids and my boobs are saggy, will I want them brought up? I'm already insecure about kind of having saggier boobs, which I don't know if that's in my head. So anyways, now I'm just ranting too, but it is something that I think a lot of people think about. Yeah. It's, it's, we all, I, I think that's why I think for everyone, Obviously, I'm biased. I'm a plastic surgeon. This is what I do every day. But this this is why it's such a, an interesting topic to everyone. It's why shows, the reality shows dealing with plastic surgery are are so, they're always popular. There's one every generation or two or three. It's because we all are insecure about certain things. We all think about our appearance. We all struggle with aging. Not you, but like, you know, me, I'm starting to look at myself in the mirror and my like, you know, like we all have insecurities. We are, again, I believe that we're social animals and um, we want to look our, it, it's programmed in our DNA to want to look young, to want to look attractive. So um, can you so, expand on that a little bit? Because I would on a ABCD multiple choice test select it's society's pressure that we want to look a certain way. You've mentioned a few times this innate animalistic need and desire. I'd love to learn more. Yeah, I mean, well, I think the societal thing is tied. It, it, that's just these biologic urges on a large scale. So, you know, studies have been done, sociologists and whatnot, like, you know, let's say, for instance, the BBL, the waist to hip ratio. We are social animals. Like our, our, our biologic drive is to pass on our genes and, and to find a, a worthy mate with whom we can produce healthy offspring to further our genes. So what's one way we could do that? Let's say if a male is looking to find a female mate, that the waist to hip ratio is much larger in females. And the larger that ratio is, the more hyperfeminine that is. And it means that the, the, the pelvis is wider, that that woman is more likely to have less problems in childbirth, that children are more likely to pass through that birth canal more easily because our hips are wide. So if you think about it, that's why. You know, the the chance of a successful pregnancy and, and birthing process is signified in the waist to hip ratio that then becomes a sexual, sexually attractive thing for males seeking a female to, to seek out a woman with a curvier waist to hip ratio. And then that becomes so that's the that's it on a 
you know, individual basis, but then you extrapolate that to millions of people and that becomes these societal trends. On that note, what about symmetry? Like our obsession with things being symmetrical. Do you think that also, like, how do we even define what is beautiful and what's attractive? You know, it's interesting to think about that. There's so many studies on this and it is true. On one hand, it is true. In general, we like things that are more symmetric, but that doesn't mean your face needs to be perfectly symmetric to be attractive. If you were to take all the, you know, the anyone's face who's been voted sexiest woman alive or sexiest man alive and actually study the symmetry, it's not perfect. It's, it's, it's good. All right. So on one hand, you don't want a face that is wildly asymmetric. You don't want someone who's, I, I shouldn't say, I, I'm, this, but this is like biologic. This is what the studies show, that if your eyes are way off, that signifies to people that there might be a genetic issue going on, which might affect the health of your offspring. So studies have shown that symmetry is important in seeking out a mate, but also averageness. And this is weird. Averageness is also attractive. We tend to find attractive faces that don't veer too far in one direction. So if someone's face is very interesting in a certain way where, you know, it's longer or wider we tend to perceive that as less attractive. We like things that are generally symmetric, but also more average. Doesn't, you know, that that kind of ties into, you know, in general, society finds noses that are not huge or super tiny. They, you want average somewhere in the middle of the pack. But that does not mean that if you are someone who has a slightly larger nose or longer nose that you can't be attractive. I myself think that, you know, I love an interesting look. I find a typical Barbie face boring. Penelope Cruz, perfect example. She has a very long nose, probably longer than would be considered aesthetically ideal, but she is gorgeous. Angelina Jolie has a jawline, which is more square than the typical female face, but she is an icon of beauty. So it's not just about, you know, it, I think that deviating from the norms, it's all how you wear it. It's a, it's your, this is where you know, body positivity comes in and confidence and rocking whatever look you have. And there's something to be said for the, for the allure, for the attraction of confidence. It's all about trying to get people to that point where they feel confident in how they look. I just want to add to, I can't help but think about, yes, our animalistic instincts, and then also what we are fed as ideal, like, you know, looking at the Greek statues and like Aphrodite having lots of fat rolls on her stomach, but now that's not in. And then looking at indigenous communities or Native Americans who have these really strong, powerful noses and the way that like we've kind of whitewashed this beauty standard of of not liking that nose. And I'm starting to see a trend on TikTok where people are like praising that like Lady Gaga, you know, that bump, that hook on the nose as beautiful. And I'm like starting to become obsessed with it. My friend has a nose like that. And I, I love it. And so I think too, there is the messaging and the conditioning from society that either enhances or shifts us in a new direction for like what is acceptable the same way, like deep down, we have like a fight or flight instinct, but we we're not really fight or flighting in 20. I mean, we kind of are in 2022. Yeah. And and a more recent example of what you're talking about, like back to the Kim Kardashian BBL thing that, you know, and then, you know, the late 80s and 90s when I was coming up, like being rail thin was in, you know, for all the women wanted to look like Kate Moss and like, you know, bag of bones with a cigarette hanging out of their mouth. And that's just different now. Like now that the pendulum has shifted in the 
in the other direction where we want voluptuous and I'm, you know, thick and like, and that, that's great. Like, Hey, look, I don't care if someone's skinny or fat or big or little, I don't care. Like, I just want people to be happy and to be confident in their body. One thing I am curious to ask you is since this is your job and you are an artist and you sculpt and most of the time you're probably creating boobs that all kind of look like a certain type of boob or a butt that all looks like a certain type of butt. When you're out talking to people, meeting people, do you have to turn off the little part of your brain that analyzes their face? Like, oh, well, we could lift this here. We could tweak that here. You'd be good for a lip filler here. It is hard. Uh, I'm not, I get, I, I've gotten that question before. And like, it's hard because that's what you do. And if you're, I mean, if you're a mechanic and you walk past a car with this hood up, you're going to be Hey, what's in that? Like, you're going to be curious about that's what you do. You know, if you're a plumber and you go to someone's house, oh, what, what, what do you have here? You know, it, it's it's what I do every day. So, yeah, if someone has an interesting look or a certain thing I find interesting when I'm, you know, if I'm out at a restaurant, I'll notice it. And I might think, you know, but I'm not focused on it. I'm, you know, if I'm talking to someone, I'm not analyzing their, you know, their facial proportions. I'm enjoying what they're saying. But, but yeah, I, I do notice these things, I think, more than the, um, typical person, but not in a judgy as, you know, in a, in a you know, judgmental right. kind of way, more just in a, you know, like an academic curiosity, you know? Right. Strictly in that way. I love it. Now, what do you think are the biggest looming either problems or shifts or impactful things approaching your industry? And like, what do you see happening now? What do you see to come? I think the big thing on the horizon is regenerative medicine, where we're going to be able to use gene therapies and you know growth factors and stem cells to prevent aging. It's going to happen in your lifetime, maybe mine, but certainly yours, where they're going to they're going to solve the problem of aging as a disease, and people will not age. The presumed problem of aging, correct? <laughs> well, aging in that aging as a problem in that it's going to result in death. Yeah. So not the aesthetic aging. Wait, you think in my lifetime, they're going to be able to freeze us and like, we're never going to die. Not even freeze, not even freeze, but like come up with therapy. They'll they'll find the genetic trigger, their switch to turn off aging. I really do believe that. (gasps) That's freaking creepy. It'll be weird for sure. So I don't want to be here forever. Low key. (laughs) No, no, neither do I. I'm I'm already a little bit bored of things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's hilarious. Thank you so much for coming on RealPod. This was so fun, so educational, so entertaining. I feel like I learned so much. And thanks for being so transparent and being so cool and being, you know, in the work that you do for the right reasons. It's like we're on The Bachelor. <laughs> uh, I want to, you know, I want to say to you, Victoria, especially thank you for what you're doing. I think it is incredibly important because you can, someone like myself, I'm a 44 year old guy. I can talk to my face is blue about how important body positivity is. But someone like yourself as a beautiful young woman, you know, speaking to your you know, people, other young women and showing and doing exactly what you're talking about. You're showing on your platform that, you know, you're being the example of the change that you're looking to effect. You're showing that, you know, these poses are fake. These filters are fake, that, you know, real beauty is not that stuff. And that's, that's not an easy thing to do. It's much easier to hide behind these filters. So for you to get out ahead of that and be, you know, in this vulnerable place and show your imperfections that we all have and to talk about these things in an open and transparent manner. That is so important. And it's going to take more people like you, young women in particular, to speak to your compatriots that, uh, you know, because no one, no one else is going to listen. So 
So unless people like you are the ones doing the talking. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It means so much, especially coming from you. And I appreciate it. it. It's it's definitely something I think about. Like if my high school self saw the photos I was posting, she'd be mortified, like hide that, fix that. But yeah, it's funny how things change and evolve. And I'm just super grateful to be connected and that you came on the show. And thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. The pleasure is mine. It's a real honor. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.